The presidential motorcade had just passed through heavy crowds in downtown Dallas and was circling through the fringes of the business district when three shots suddenly rang out. Destroying the media lies and dismantling the narratives. One story at a time. It's the Adrian Slate Show. I'm not going to be distracted by all of President Trump's lies, smears, distortions, and name-calling. I'm going to stay focused on the issues that matter to you. Because action cannot wait when it comes to healthcare, jobs, or education, or guns, or climate. That's Joe Biden. Yeah. Oh, Lunchbox Joe. This guy is flailing around. He was their number one guy. He was the big contender. I'm Adrian Slade, by the way. Thanks for tuning in. Joe Biden was the guy who was supposed to be able to swoop in with all the credibility and the moderation and, uh, and be this veteran politician. When really... He's flailing punch drunk, swinging his arms all over the place. His eyes popping, turning red. His dentures are falling out. The guy's going on and on talking about uh, stock market traders clipping coupons and talking about gay bathhouses at the LGBTQ town hall and and talking about corn pop. Good old corn pop. Yeah, you know, corn pop was going to come down here and he was going to start a ruckus. Um. Yeah, Lunch Bucket Joe uh, flailing miserably. You know, this is the same guy who said, you know, there's so many Indians in Delaware. You can't go into a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts without running into one. Yeah, that's not, that's not uh, racist and stereotypical, you know. Obama, he's clean and articulate, not like those other black politicians, right? So Joe Biden, who's flailing around, swinging in the air, watching the most scripted and stiffed individual, Elizabeth Warren, take his lead away while she's going on, I've got a plan. I've got a plan for this. I've got a plan for that. And do you want to see my plan? My plans are plans of all types of plans. I have more plans than Felix the Cat had in his, in his briefcase. Um, she doesn't have plans. She's just trying to pretend that she is focused on issues because no one else is. I mean, you've got Beto O'Rourke out there talking about uh, passing some menstruation equality act. They had this whole thing all weekend long, National Period Day, where they went on and on talking about how tampons should be free. I I kid you not. This stuff was so ridiculous, and it just didn't stop. NPR had this. On average, people who menstruate spend an estimated $150 million a year just on the sales tax for tampons and pads. Now there's a push to outlaw the so-called tampon tax across the U.S. Sales tax isn't focused on tampons, boys and girls, and tampons are a product. You know what? You can buy them in different price ranges, Different quality. No one's out there banning the jock jock itch spray tax, you know? Just because females have to buy a product for their hygiene doesn't mean it should be free. 
Doesn't mean we should go out and make it all free. But they they had this whole thing, like they're standing up for equality because you may have to buy tampons. And you've got this idiot Beto O'Rourke out there talking about how he wants to create some menstruation equality act. I don't know if he's running to be secretary of the Department of Menstruation Equality, which is going to be a new department that they implement. Sounds like something Cory Booker would say, because Cory Booker was on that train as well, and so was Julian Castro. I only wish National Period Day was actually about the punctuation, and these idiots would have just got it wrong and pandered out there and went on and on about female periods. That would have been, to me, that would have been hilarious. They would have been like, "Ah, no, National Period Day is we're celebrating the punctuation. We're not celebrating, you know, the red tide. You know, we're not talking about getting your red wings. I don't mean to go there, but but that that's how ridiculous it is. So Elizabeth Warren wants to, I've got a plan, and she's going to pretend that she's more issues-focused than anyone else, when really she's driven by the media. The media drives every bit of her persona. So the media actually was the first to go out there and say, Elizabeth Warren has all the plans. And then she was like, wow. They think I have all, you know what? I do have all the plans. Eureka, I've got all the plans. She's that, that, just so see-through. It's like Hillary Clinton 2.0. She's not that likable. She's really transparently fake. I mean, we talked about her lies. We talked about her, her pregnancy uh, job loss lie. We talked about her Me Too moment with the polio guy chasing her around the building with her uh, crab, with his crab-like grip on her. <laughs> we talked about how she's not Native American. She's not even one one twenty thousand twenty fourth or whatever. Uh, twenty three and me. I love what Nick DiPaolo said. Yeah, sure. Nat- uh, Elizabeth Warren is uh, Native American. Twenty three and me found a kernel of, of corn in her poop, so that must make her Native American. <laughs> but she's lied about everything, and then she didn't even focus on the fact that there is a uh, member of her lineage that actually was involved in the Trail of Tears, and not walking the Trail of Tears, forcing the Native Americans down the Trail of Tears. You know, she faked the Pow Wow Chow cookbook, you know, they weren't serving crab cakes and crab dip out there in in Oklahoma, so she's full of crap all the time, and she's scripted, but somehow she is beating Joe Biden. And Joe Biden's got some stuff he's got to worry about. I love this. Hosting the G7 at Trump's hotel? A president should never be able to use the office for personal gain. You know, that tweet's going to age like a fine Boone's farm. Because it's not going to take long for this to be turned around against him. You know, the media went crazy when they said, Oh, Trump is going to host the G7 at his own hotel? Quid pro quo! He's banking off of it. I don't, I don't even care about the G7, to be honest. So he could have it. I don't know. He can have it over there in uh, Saudi Arabia for all I care. Let him burn up in the desert. Uh, but the fact that the media lost its ever-loving mind and is trying to say that this is Trump using his office for personal gain, and then for Biden to say an office of power should never be used for political gain is insane. We talked about Hunter Biden getting the gig at that energy company in the Ukraine with no energy experience. He was just kicked out of the military for cocaine usage. 
and he was getting paid 50000 a year in a country that he doesn't, doesn't even speak their language. The guy was in rehab all the time, and yet here he is out throwing down, doing shots of fireball and uh, probably doing body shots off of hookers and uh, with the Burisma staff who are aiding and abetting his alcoholism. The guy is a train wreck that they put into the top of the CEO of an energy company in Ukraine. Well, there's more about Hunter Biden and the use of political power that Joe Biden says he's never going to allow when he goes into office. We're never going to have Hunter work for any of these companies now that uh, I might win. Um, But I never did in the past, even though we played the video and we have the written sworn testimony of Ambassador Shokin out there talking about how he got canned from investigating Burisma because Joe Biden's son was on the board and Joe Biden wasn't going to allow financial aid from America to be used unless that guy was fired. We played the video of that. Well, this is great right here from the Daily Caller. You don't get more politically connected participants in securities fraud scam touted links to Hunter Biden. Yep, this is an amazing story because... (laughs) It just highlights more and more of how these people who were in power were financially profiting off of this. Participants in a multi-million dollar scheme to defraud an American Indian tribe touted links to Hunter Biden and his business associate, Devin Archer. Now, remember, Devin Archer was John Kerry's aide. So you have Secretary of State John Kerry, Vice President Joe Biden, under Obama, using their office to enrich their families. Now, Biden is not accused of wrongdoing in this case, which centered on the fraudulent $60 million bond offering involving the Wakpani Lake Community Association, which is an affili- affiliate of the Ogala Sioux Tribe. But documents reported here for the first time shed light on how associates saw Biden during a period of time when his father served as the vice president. Quote, Hunter Biden works for Archer, so we've got top-level politicos with us. All of my guys is as top-tier as it gets. Bevan Cooney, who a jury convicted in the uh, Wakpani scam, said in a secretly recorded telephone call that it is cited in exhibits that Devin Archer's defense team produced during an appeal of his convicted case. He said, well, you know, but you see that this is who we're doing business with? You don't get more politically connected and make more people comfortable than that, Cooney said in this phone call conversation. A judge sentenced him to 30 months in prison um, with his associate, Jason Galanis, who prosecutors described as the mastermind of the Bond ripoff. Cooney also bragged about knowing Devin Archer for years. Federal prosecutions in Manhattan filed charges in the case back in March 11 of 2016, against seven individuals, including Galinas, uh, Cooney, and Devin Archer. Hunter Biden and Archer, who was an advisor to John Kerry's presidential campaign in 2004, were partners in Rosemont Seneca Boi, an asset management firm, because Hunter Biden was always great at managing assets. He got them assets managed. In 2014, Hunter Biden and Archer joined the board of Burisma Holdings, a Ukrainian energy firm. Hunter Biden's position on the board has drawn criticism from Donald Trump 
and his allies because Joe Biden at the time served as Obama's administration's chief liaison to Ukraine. Financial documents released in the Archer case show that Burisma's holdings made bi-monthly payments of 83333 to Rosemont Seneca Boi. Now, a jury convicted Devin Archer on June 28, 2018, on conspiracy and securities fraud charges. But Judge Ronnie Adams or Abrams overturned the conviction on November 15, 2018, saying that there was insignificant evidence to show that Archer was aware of the bond fraud. As part of the scam, Galanis and his co-conspirators set up a complex scheme to divert funds from the $60 million bond sale to buy personal luxuries, such as cars, property, jewelry. The scheme defrauded both the uh, Native American tribe and the investors in funds that were purchased or who purchased the worthless bonds. So this guy was running around going, hey, we got this little deal. We got this bond that we're going to set up and and, uh, we're actually going to defraud this Native American tribe. And guess who we got on our team? Hunter Biden. We got Devin Archer. So we are connected politically. Nothing can go wrong here. And look at that. So political corruption using the power of your office. Joe Biden. Now there's more and more of this. And we can go on and on. We can go on to Hunter Biden's China uh, affiliation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he had some dealings with China. Fun times in Beijing. This is actually from the Daily Caller as well. Hunter Biden received 700000 from a company that held stake in Chinese investment firms. Now, remember what we talked about with China. When you have a business or you're doing business in China, you have to have a Chinese liaison attached to your business in some form of fashion to enter the market. And how did Hunter Biden, with zero financial backing, or zero financial experience with his asset management company come through and get a huge amount of money, billions of dollars from the Chinese bank, the Bank of China, who wouldn't even give that money to Goldman Sachs? Probably because of the political affiliation. You know, the left has been in bed with the Chinese for a while. Heck, Bill Clinton ran his reelection campaign off of Chinese funds. And now China has taken over the oppression of Hong Kong. They have oppressed their citizens, which we're going to get into the Uyghurs, eyewitness of Chinese concentration camps and the brutality of what goes on in China. But China has buddied up with Google and China has buddied up with the Democrat Party and they have personally leveraged their power on the United States because of the greed of our politicians. And when we get into what Hunter Biden was doing with China, it gets even more stunning. So before we get into Hunter Biden and China, I have a little bit of listener feedback. We got a message from our buddy, uh, JR15. Uh, Let's check it out. Hey, Adrian, it's JR15 just saying hey, and that I still listen to the show every week. Uh, Try to share it on Twitter for you. I just wanted to say, happy National Period Day. And since it may be uh, too late next time I try to send you a message, uh, I think Wednesday is National Oxford Comma Day. 
I think that's how that works. Anyway, see you later, man. Yeah, National Oxford Comma Day, right after National Period Day. Maybe, I, for me, I'm going to have National uh, Question Mark Day because this is all pure insanity. But if you're a listener to the show and you'd like to have some listener feedback uh, played on the air, go to our Anchor site, anchor.fm slash Adrian Slade, and you can log in. You have to set up an Anchor account, but you can go in and record a message for us and we'll play it on the show. So the more we go down the quid pro quo rabbit hole, such as we do with uh, Hunter Biden, you know, Joe Biden's son, we get into his affiliation with China. Now, what's really interesting is he didn't receive compensation directly from Burisma, according to available records. This is from the Daily Caller as well. The off-sided $50,000 a month figure is actually based on payments he received from a New York-based company called Rosemont Seneca Boi, which is owned and controlled by his longtime business partner and shady Native American ripoff artist Devin Archer. And because of that case with the, uh, with the Indian uh, tribe that they were trying to rip off with that bond, these, these uh, documents were made, bank records, they were all made public. So the bank records show that in each month between June 2014 and October 2015, Rosemont Seneca Boi wired between 10000 and 150000 to Hunter Biden for undisclosed purposes, probably for hookers and blow. In total, Hunter received 708302 from Rosemont Seneca Boi, which was under Archer's care at all times. Now, during the 17th month time frame, Back in June 2015, Rosemont Seneca Boi obtained a 20% equity stake in Boi Harvest RST, a, chi- a Chinese private equity firm that Hunter Biden has been board member of since its founding in 2013. Hunter Biden announced Sunday that he would resign from that position end of October. Now, Boi Harvest RST is often referred to as BHR Partners in English news reports. Just four months prior, in February 2015, Archer's associate investment banker Dan McCloy said he, Archer, and BHR Partners CEO Jonathan Lee were pictured meeting with the leader of the Chinese State Assets Commission, which as of 2017 managed $260 trillion in Chinese assets. The group shot with the director general of Chinese Assets Commission, um, He's the short guy in the center, McClory emailed his associates after the meeting. This organization, the Chinese State Assets Commission, is the largest controlling shareholder in the world. I brought them to BHR. Jonathan Lee of BHR is the third from the right. Fun times in Beijing, McClory added. Devin was stellar. McClory's email was received as evidence in Archer's trial, a witness testified that Archer was the individual third from the left in the photo attached to McClory's email. Rosemont Seneca Boi held on to its 20% equity in BHR Partners until October 2017, when its, its stake was split in half between two companies, according to Chinese business records. One of the entities took a portion of Rosemont Seneca Bohai's equity in BHR Partners. And this was... Uh, Scantileus LLC should be called Scantileus LLC, where Hunter Biden was one of two co-directors, according to the business records. So uh, 
Mm. Got some Chinese uh, backing there. So Hunter Biden announced he would resign. So that's supposed to make everything perfect. But BHR Partners currently manages the equivalent of $2.1 billion in assets and boasts of having the support of the Bank of China, according to its own website. Do you know how hard it is to get money from the Bank of China? Pretty daggone hard. Goldman Sachs couldn't even pull that off. But Hunter Biden was never publicly confirmed to say what his salary was. And he outright dodged the question when asked about it when he received the Burisma interview on ABC. (laughs) The guy is... But he would not have been in this position, neither would Devin Archer, if it weren't for his political power players. You know, the vice president of the United States, the state, uh, the, the secretary of state, John Kerry, is why Devin Archer is there. These people don't have any experience, and yet they're willing to sell out the United States to China. They're willing to use their positions of influence with their powerful family members and associates to, with governments like the Ukraine, failed governments like that, Russia. That's why when we, get, we talk about Hillary Clinton selling uranium, one-sixth of the uranium to Russia— and then all of a sudden getting money from Russia donated into the Clinton Foundation. And then on top of it, the cherry on top was Bill Clinton going over to Russia to do a speaking fee or a speaking engagement based upon that deal where he got another 500000 Something has to be done with corruption in, in D.C., with our, pow- with, with our public servants. And this is going on across the board. Mitch McConnell and his wife, all right? You've got Diane Feinstein and her Chinese connections. We've talked about all of these, but for some reason, no one is stepping up to make these things public. Hopefully Donald Trump and his administration will do so, but he's fighting a war with the deep state that the New York Times thinks is just such a great thing, which we should look into because it's almost as though they, the left has solidified a two-branch government of judicial legislation and bureaucratic executive orders. Back in a moment. This is Adrian Slade. The Adrian Slade Broadcast. So we've been talking about the political corruption and the enrichment of those who are in power, who are enriching their families and themselves on the backs of the United States, their national security, uh, their standing in the world the economic standing of the United States. And we really need to look at the fact that they're not giving up anytime soon. I mean, look at Hillary Clinton. She's sticking her neck back out there again. I mean, she's been all over the place trying to peddle some crappy book about girls. And then she's going to get out there and basically try to insert herself in such a way that makes her look as though she is uh I don't know. She's she's trying to assert herself in some sort of Instagram influencer situation. They're all doing that. That's they have all learned from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez that if you can find a way to connect with fans in a personable way, you know, like these influencers on 
Instagram do and these YouTube stars where people just want to follow them around because of their cult of personality. They don't even, they're not even famous. There's just something that brings them to the group. Next thing you know, they're selling items on their TV shows about what they're wearing and what have you. And then they're going and eating in these restaurants and everybody thinks it's the greatest thing. They're trying to politically engineer this kind of uh, uh, persona. AOC has tried to do it where she's talking about garbage disposals, doesn't know how they work. You've got Elizabeth Warren out there running over to the library to drop off a book and trying to be spunky and talking about, I'm going to get me a beer. Well, Hillary Clinton is trying that too, and it doesn't work out because she's just the most inauthentic person in the world. There's some story from Fast Company that said, the outrageous, deeply sexist history of the pantsuit. And she goes, bottom line, a good pantsuit is important, but never more important than what a woman has to say. How about the Mal Moo-Moos? How about the Moo-Moos you wear that look like Vicki Lawrence from, from Mama's family, except they look like if Chairman Mao was wearing them? That's, that's what... I, you know, but Hillary Clinton is inserting herself, and she turned around and started taking shots at some of the people that were threats into the Democrat side, as such as we talked about before, Tulsi Gabbard. She tried to equivocate Tulsi Gabbard as some Russian asset that she's being manipulated by the Russians to destroy the Democrat party campaign, maybe be a third party candidate. And Tulsi Gabbard actually struck back pretty hard. She said, great. Thank you, Hillary Clinton. You, the queen of warmongers, embodiment of corruption and personification of the rot that has sickened the Democrat party for so long have finally come out from behind the curtain. From the day I announced my candidacy, there has been a concerted campaign to destroy my reputation We wondered who it was and who was behind it. We know now it was always you. Through your proxies and powerful allies in the corrupt media and war machine, afraid of the threat I pose. But it's now clear that this primary is between you and me. Don't cowardly hide behind your proxies. Join the race directly. Smackdown by Tulsi. Of course, like I said, don't fall for it. Tulsi, she's fine. She's also scary because she has policies that are very socialist. Now, I agree with her on foreign policy. She's almost like a Ron Paul-esque candidate on the left. But I have a feeling that the more you would dig into her stances, the more you would probably be at odds with her. But that doesn't mean I wouldn't, you know, hit the waves with her. I mean, I'm married, so I wouldn't, you know, I'm talking about she surfs and, you know, If you got a crew of people out there, I could get along with talking to her on a friendly basis because she at least loves the country. She at least has reasonable stances. But then at the same time, in certain areas, she has reasonable stances. But at the same time, you can have differing opinions and have a good rapport with each other. But we have to talk about how the deep state that certain conservative outlets want to dismiss as not being a thing and being conspiratorial and other ones take it too far and act as though it's a secret shadow government, I think it's more of an apparatus to maintain control. And it's become a two-tier apparatus. But the New York Times opinion piece put this out. They said, opinion, they are not the resistance. They are not a cabal. They are public servants. The deep state is alive and well, composed of patriotic public servants. Their aim is not to bring down President Trump out of personal or political animus, but to rescue the Republic from his excesses. Um, That's not their job. 
They weren't hired to rescue the republic. They're not in power to step in and and circumvent the will of the people who have spoken just because you don't like his brash attitude. You don't like the fact that he's... Uh, and then they want to get into morality. Never mind Katie Smith out there who is uh, hooking up with her staffer. Um, you know, never mind Mark Sanford who's taking long trips on the Appalachian Trail. Actually, he was hooking up with a uh, chick down in, in South America, <laughs> Colombian chick, I think, or something like that, and totally leaving the country, leaving his constituency behind. We don't ever talk about those moral failings. We just have to focus on the fact that Donald Trump has been married a few times and, you know, had that little grab him by the hoo-ha video with uh, Billy Bush. But what we have to look at is the deep state is not just bureaucracy. The deep state, this is all, you can trace it back to Woodrow Wilson and the rise of big government, FDR with the implementation of the alphabet soup, bureaucratic offices. But when Obama got in there, he is, he is entrenched people from the Democratic Socialist Party throughout. You know, they've all been hired by these bureaucracies under his czars and his secretaries of those cabinet positions and those, uh, you know, the FBI, the DOJ. And they've hired all these people that have a hard time being fired. So you have that as your executive branch of the, of the deep state government. But then you have activist judges that act as legislatures. They don't just interpret whether or not a law is correct or not. They basically step in when they see something that they don't like, and then they go, I'm going to uh, pass a judgment. You know, the Ninth Circuit's going to say, you can't do that to illegal immigrants, Trump. Oh, the, you know, the Hawaii, the Supreme Court over in Hawaii is going to step in and say, well, you can't do that over voter ID or whatever the case may be, whatever it is. So you have Supreme Court justices or just ju uh, court uh, court judges stepping in and circumventing the power of the executive branch. But then you have the bureaucracy steering the executive branch. And it was never the position for either one of them to have that kind of ability. It is you, the voter, that has that kind of ability. You who would vote and decide whether or not you want Congress to be a majority Republican, majority Democrat. It was you who decided, I'm going to show up and vote in my state so that my state decides to pick their electoral uh, representative to vote for Donald Trump. It wasn't popular vote mobocracy that's being circumvented because of the electoral college, so we need bureaucrats to step in, life, lifelong government employees to step in and muck up the works and then have court justices, activist court justices come in and try to stop any sort of governance. So the fact that they're out there touting this garbage shows you that they don't care about the Constitution, even though they say they do. They don't think, I mean, they, you want to talk about foreign election meddling? They want to talk about Russia collusion? Guess who was at a party for Alex Soros, George Soros's son, Oh, yeah, that'd be Barack Obama. Not only that, it's also Eric Holder. Oh, who else is in that picture? Oh, that'd be former Virginia governor Terry McAuliffe. And what's really interesting is the new strategy by George Soros. Suddenly, he's embraced federalism. Suddenly, Electoral College, that wouldn't be a problem for him. That, you know, 
winning on the state and local level isn't a problem for George Soros because now he's funding all of these local attorneys general's races. This is from Wham 1180 AM. If you took all the money Democratic Monroe County executive candidate Adam Bellow has spent on his campaign and added it to all the money Republican incumbent Cheryl D'Onofrio has spent and then added Bellow's money again, you'd have just about as much as George Soros has spent trying to get Shania Curry Mitchell elected as district attorney. By the time the final filing is in, it is likely that one donor supporting one candidate in the district attorney's race will have ponied up as much money as was contributed by a myriad of donors to both candidates in the race at the top of the ticket. And notice that this is all going to benefit the Democrats whose party self-righteously condemns big money donors and calls for tax fund, uh, taxpayer funding of campaigns. He calls those out. Here's the story. George Soros wants to decriminalize crime. And to achieve that end, he's lavishing money all over the Democrat, uh, Democratic Party. Usually it's through front groups, political action committees with pretty names. He's made good progress in Albany and in the Democrat-controlled state capital where the bad guys had their best legislative year ever. And now he wants to bring the campaign home, specifically to your home. In an effort to nullify criminal prosecution, Soros is putting money into district attorney races where he believes one candidate will be easier on crime than the other. Under the mantra criminal justice reform, Soros and the progressives want to prosecute and imprison as few criminals as possible. And so it is that Democrat district attorney candidate Shania Curry Mitchell ends up on the receiving end of arguably the biggest single pile of money ever involved in Monroe County politics. And not one to look a gift horse in the mouth. She isn't complaining. She says she knows nothing about the money, knows no connection to the pack that's paying it, but agrees that the ads that her opponent, uh, you know, that are against her opponent are bad and needs to go. Thus far, the Soros ads have been the uh, light and pretty and positive in regards to Mitchell and caustic and dark in regards to incumbent Sandra Dorley, who is all but accused of being a racist prosecutor and lying and cheating to lock up defendants who are black men. It's the race card and it's being played. The question is, will it work? Only time will tell. And that's one of the things you have to realize is on a small scale, some of these incidents that we see where Antifa is there, it's because of governors like Terry McAuliffe telling the state police to stand down. It's because of mayors like the mayor of Charlottesville telling them to stand down. It's also why you have attorney generals who uh, like Keith Ellison, who are in the district of the same place where Ilhan Omar won his former seat. So no one's going to prosecute the immigration fraud, the tax fraud, just the campaign finance fraud, the marriage fraud, all that stuff. It's all going to get overlooked. So Soros knows he's going to have to fight on a local level. So he's funding local races. You better get into your local community and, and start to research who is running, who is behind them, and who should be the one that you put your support behind. So we know the fight is happening on the state and local level. It's also happening uh, with the right, the corruption. You know, we talked about Hunter Biden getting all these perks and some of the others on the right, Feinstein, Pelosi, you know, John Kerry's advisor. It's happening on the right as well. This is from Conservative uh, Review from Jordan Schachtel. The nation of Qatar, a tiny Gulf state known for its vast energy riches, 
tiny indigenous populations, slave labor economy, and, of course, its troublesome connections to international terrorist organizations, has commenced a massive but under-the-radar spending spree in South Carolina. Through Barzen Aeronautical, a subsidiary of a Cutter Defense Ministry-controlled Barzen Holdings, Doha has targeted South Carolina as the location for a major military aircraft initiative. The state is home to several Cutter-friendly politicians and defense industry heavyweights. Senator Lindsey Graham, remember, everybody that was following Trump, the MAGA crowd, despised Lindsey Graham when he you know, was talking about holding up his phone and then Trump giving out his telephone number and ripping on Lindsey Graham when Lindsey Graham was John McCain's butt buddy. They, were, they couldn't be separated. And then all of a sudden, the Kavanaugh hearings happened after John McCain died. And then some of the initial Russian collusion attacks from the right were coming from Lindsey Graham. So all of a sudden, Lindsey Graham became this warrior to the MAGA crowd. But then the other day, he was outspoken about impeachment and said, I would be for impeachment if there's something impeachable. And then they started looking at him on the MAGA side and said, he hasn't done anything. He hasn't done anything at all in Congress. And now he's talking impeachment. So now they were for him. They were against him. Then they were for him. And now they're against him again when they should have been against him the whole way through. You could just look at his record and tell he's done nothing for us. And now he's enriching himself by bringing Cutter to South Carolina. Senator Lindsey Graham has held several face-to-face meetings with high-ranking delegations from the $320 billion Cutter Investment Authority, the QIA, which has pledged to invest billions into the state. Over the past couple of years, Graham has emerged as one of the major pro-Cutter voices in the Senate. He routinely takes to television and other media platforms to repudiate Cutter's regional adversaries while bolstering its allies. The top donor to the South Carolina Governor Henry McMaster's recent successful gubernatorial campaign is a major Qatari lobbyist. Between 2017 and 2018, Imad Zubari, a lobbyist who represents the ultra-wealthy QIA, shelled out over 50000 for McMaster's campaign, according to the campaign finance reports. Zubari told associates that his donations to Republicans were a way to pay for further access to politicians, according to the New York Times. On the local level, the mayor of Charleston, which is home to a major Boeing plant, is also friend of the Gulf state. He has signed a declaration of understanding to encourage economic development, cultural and environmental cooperation between Charleston and Doha, which is Qatar's capital city. After meeting with the Qatari investment officials, this was reported by the Post and Courier newspaper, Charleston is home to Boeing's 787 Dreamliner assembly plant. Qatar recently spent over $11 billion to order 30 787s and 10 777s from Boeing. Moreover, the Qatari Air Force has 6.2 billion contracts with Boeing. The Qatar-run Barzan Holdings was launched March 12, 2018, intended to act as a, quote, commercial gateway for the defense industry in Qatar. One week after the subsidiary company, Barzan Aeronautical was incorporated in South Carolina. The aircraft program appears to be very in its early stages of development, Barzan Aeronautical's website 
lists a target launch date of May 2019. A promotional video from the Qatari Ministry of Defense showcases the ambition of the project. In interviews, Qatari officials have stressed that the one-year holding or the one-year bars and holdings project is a top priority project for advancing Qatar's national goals. In November, the ruler of Qatar himself paid a visit to Bars and Research and Development Center. So there's some things happening with Lindsey Graham and South Carolina and the politicians of South Carolina being bought by Qatar. <laughs> it's amazing. So on one hand, you've got George Soros pushing a ground offensive with local attorney general's races. You have all these people on the left at the higher up levels colluding with China, also colluding with uh, Ukraine, enriching themselves off of Ukraine. And then you have Lindsey Graham and South Carolina politicians, you know, hooking themselves up with Cutter. Now let's talk about Mitch McConnell. Yeah, he's got corrupt allegations as well. Mark Levin actually found this citing a New York Post article. This is actually from Conservative Review as well. Detailing new corruptions and new allegations made against Mitch McConnell and his wife, Secretary of Transportation Elaine Chow. The story refers to the forthcoming book, Clinton Cash by Peter Schweitzer. That book is actually out, Secret Empires, How the American Political Class Hides Corruption and Enriches Family and Friends. That book's been out for a little while, and I've heard interviews, and it's pretty amazing. Something I want on my list to read, but it details all of these different schemes with Hunter Biden, with Elaine Chow and Mitch McConnell, Feinstein down the road. Well, it details how the majority leader and his wife softened their approaches to China over the years due to Chinese business interest. And it claims, the book claims McConnell and his wife grew rich selling political power. Mitch McConnell should be removed for all the reasons I've said before, but especially now as majority leader, Mark Levin said. And there ought to be an ethics investigation looking into his background. So one of the things we have to realize is they're doing it on all sides. And I'm not going to get into, I was going to originally get into the article I read about the uh, eyewitness reports of the Chinese concentration camps, I guess as you would call them the internment camps for the Muslims in China, the Uyghurs, just, and even some of the Chinese dissidents. I'm sure some of the Hong Kong protesters are being thrown into this thing. Maybe we'll get into that next week because it's a, it's a really lengthy piece, but it's really eye-opening. And when you get into the fact, we did our China episode probably about six, nine months ago. You can go back and listen to it. iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker, over cast, uh, you know, wherever podcast or host, hosted Google Play, tune in, um, iHeart, you will find that they're on a mission to destroy mega churches, to destroy any Christian place of worship, to eliminate Bibles being brought in, to remove pictures of Jesus or put by pictures of Jesus. Jing Jinping, you, they're looking at the social credit scores, they've been doing facial recognition technology against its people. They're also pushing the 5G network. They're trying to make that so enticing for foreign governments to purchase, which, you know, if, if we're looking at it from, it's the same idea as you and a Google Home or you and Alexa. You know, you're like, wow, wouldn't that be cool? Buy this little thing 
And then you walk in the room, say, hey, Alexa, turn up the temperature to 70, 72. And I want to hear, uh, you know, Soundgarden, uh, my wave. And then it just, you know, well, why does it cost 20 bucks? Because it's able to listen and collect every bit of data against you to use that data for whatever purposes they wish to use. You would think, okay, it's a business. They're going to use it for enriching themselves, learning about their customer base. No, (laughs) they're also getting in bed with governments and governments are finding ways to use that information to monitor their citizens. So if you did that on a level of global infrastructure or even national infrastructure, like a 5G network that will automate many things that, you know, have the ability to operate off of a connected network and you give that over to the government, that's insane, especially when it's the Chinese government and all the information that flows through that 5G network is going to be collected by them. So these are the things you have to think about. The fact that you have politicians on both sides of the aisle selling us out to the Chinese, and the Chinese have been playing a long game because they're communist. As soon as they decided to make moves in this direction, Xi Jinping eliminated his term limits, became ruler for life. Next thing you know, Hong Kong is now up for them to take back under their wings from the Brits. And now the people in Hong Kong are fighting back hard. They've found ways to use laser pointers to distract the facial recognition technology. They have these little projecting headbands they put on that project faces that shift from face to face to face, different images of faces to confuse facial recognition technology. They've been using chemical compounds to to basically receive tear gas shot at them, put it into these containers with these chemicals, which react to the tear gas, turns it into a solid form, and they throw it back at them. It's amazing what the protesters in Hong Kong are doing. And they're standing up for values of the United States. They tout the values of the United States. And what do we do? We have idiots like LeBron James out there talking about how we don't want to offend China with our, pro, our support of the protest in Hong Kong because, you know, they like our games and stuff. They like our NBA league. So we want to bow down to China because China's a good, uh, a good customer to the NBA. But yet, we're not supporting these people who are fighting for freedom? And this happens all the time under both presidents. Look what happened under Obama. You had the Green Revolution in Iran. You had the ability to topple our biggest foe outside of Russia and China, Iran, a foe to the Middle East, a foe to Israel, a foe to America, by supporting the dissidents in the Green Movement. And this has happened multiple times and we've done nothing. Look what happened with Juan Guerrero in Venezuela, the uprisings in Venezuela over Nicolas Maduro. We had the opportunity to maybe assist on the back end under the cover of darkness and help them topple the illegitimacy of Maduro because he's trying to cede on to power that he's no longer has. No, we didn't do that. And now we're looking at Hong Kong and we're doing nothing. We should be at the forefront of support. We don't need to send troops in there to fight. 
Just support the protesters. They don't have the Second Amendment, which if we give it over to the presidency, uh, as far as giving the presidency over to the left, we're not going to have it either. Yeah, it's a constitutional amendment and they're going to have to go through the process. They're not going to do it that way. They're going to pressure companies to not allow the sale of guns. They're going to jack up taxes on the bullets. They're going to put background check after background check after background check over, over the purchase of legitimate guns. And then they're going to build a registry that they can monitor you at. So when the time does come, they know where to go to get you. And they'll do these faux buyback programs, which use taxpayer revenue to purchase items that aren't theirs. But if you end up doing that, you put yourself in the position of Hong Kong. And when you have your politicians, your public service uh, people out there being bought off at the local level by George Soros and putting in installing insidious politicians that are working against your interest on the municipal and state level, when you have on the national level people like Mitch McConnell, people like Dianne Feinstein, Nancy Pelosi, Vice President Joe Biden, all, you know, buddying up with China and profiting off the Ukraine. We've got a serious issue. Some cleaning has to be done, and we need to be very vigilant on Election Day. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning into the show. Listen to us on Mojo 5 Radio. You can find that on iHeartRadio or go to Mojo5o.com every Wednesday, 10 p.m., Also, get the podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker, TuneIn, iHeart, Overcast, wherever podcasts are hosted, and be sure to give us a review. Give us a good five-star review that's going to help us go up in the ratings so we're more visible to others. You can also donate to the show. Go to patreon.com slash Adrian Slade Show. Give $2 a month or go to anchor.fm and search Adrian Slade You can also follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Gab, MeWe, Parler, Convo, Snippy. Search Adrian Slade. Follow us on Twitter, at Rants Out Loud, or at Adrian Slade Show, which is the official show page on Twitter. And you can also read the blog, adriansladeshow.com. You can also get the Adrian Slade Show Roku channel in your streaming store on the Roku streaming channel store. Be sure to download the Adrian Slade Show Roku channel. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for tuning in.